All right, hey everyone, my name is Vic and I'm gonna be speaking today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, if you're a city gator, uh, it's good to be together again like this. Um, we are in the beginning of a new series um, called One and Two Peter out of the two letters that Peter wrote. He was an apostle, a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote this to a bunch of people uh, that were in a region that is known to us today as modern day Turkey. And uh, this was written like 2000 years ago. Uh, and although it was uh, written then, we read it today, it's doing us much good. And if you want a bit more context, uh, you can go to week one. We spent some time there just framing a little bit, giving some of the history there and the reason behind it. Um, but uh, we have journeyed all the way to uh, verse nine. Um, and uh, I'm going to add verse 10, 11, and 12 to, to that today. But I am going to circle back to um, verse, verses 3 to, to 9 again. I know last week Mike uh, did an outstanding job preaching those verses. But you know, there's so much truth in there that uh, I feel it's worth you know, circling back to it again. Uh, think about like, you know, clothing coming out of the washing. If you don't have a tumble dryer, it's, it's wet, it's soaked, and you have to wring out the water. I feel like that's what we're going to do with these verses. You know, we're just going to ring out the last bit of truth in there. Um, the, the title for today's message is actually, What's a Lot I Got? Uh, let me explain that. You know, um, a, a candy you may be familiar with is, is, is Smarties. Now, Smarties, you, you don't only get in Canada, UK, and also in South Africa, which is where I'm from. And, uh, you know, in South Africa, on the box, it's printed the slogan, this tagline, What's a Lot I Got? You know, referring to, of course, how many colors there are. And, uh, and in, in Canada, I think the tagline is, is connected to a song, you know, a phrase that is something like, do, do you eat the red ones last? I'm not too sure. Uh, maybe if you're familiar with that, uh, you're giving your age away right now. But in South Africa, anyway, it's the, the slogan, the one word, what a lot I got. And I feel like that's how it is with, with these verses. You know, hopefully at the end of today, uh, you will uh, walk away going, what a lot I got, what a lot of truth there was uh, packed into these verses. And so let's journey together. We're going to read them first, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all the way to 12. Uh, it'll be up on the screen, so, so follow along with me if you can. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is God's word. 
Why don't you join me just as I pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these uh, letters that are written uh, to enrich us today as well. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts to receive from you, and to be changed by you through what we learn. And uh, may we walk away saying, what a lot I got. Uh, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's jump straight in. Um, this is one of my favorite ways of, of, of preaching. It's just sort of phrase by phrase, uh, uh, you know, go through what the text is teaching us and saying to us. And so we're going to do that uh, kicking off, obviously, with verse 3 that says, According to God's great mercy, He's caused us to be born again. Uh, and that's the first thing we want to just stop and look at is this, this, this term mercy that, uh, that Christians have, have received. And, uh, you know, this is a week uh, where we saw justice uh, being served, you know, with the George Floyd uh, a trial. And, um, you know, we understand uh, justice and, and judgment. We, we, we long for that. But when we stand in front of a holy God and we cry out for justice, actually, it's not good news for us. Uh, we, we would be at the mercy of God. We, all we could appeal uh, is, 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 is for mercy, all we could ask. And, and according to God's great mercy, He has made us alive, born again into a new living hope. This is an, incre an incredible truth because we should get judgment. And we could get mercy because Jesus got judgment. You know, God didn't just swipe our sin under the carpet, but He actually paid the debt of our high treason committed against the Creator. Uh, in full, on that cross, you know, Jesus was judged so you and I could have mercy. And it's great mercy because our sin was great. It's not just like the kinds of sins that we may commit against one another, some of them really bad, but against the Creator, it's the worst. And that's why it's not just mercy, it's great mercy. So according to His great mercy, uh, this is good news for us. You know, He has caused us to be born again. Now, this is another truth that a Christian understands, is that uh, He did all the work. You know, even, even in responding to the gospel, even the way Peter describes it here, you know, hearing the, the, the gospel announced and believing it, um, even doing that was the, the work of God. He caused us to be born again. In Zimbabwe, there's this, uh, this joke that when, when somebody gets confronted about something that they've done wrong, the, the, the response is often, I am not the one. And, uh, you know, there's even a joke in there saying that John the baptizer was, was a Zimbabwean because when he was asked, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? His response is, uh, was, I am not the one. But a Christian is somebody who can say, I had nothing to do with my salvation. Like it was all God. E even the ability to see the truth and to respond to it. Like looking back now, I realize I was dead and he made me alive so that I could see the truth. He made me alive so that I could respond to the good news of the gospel. Uh, and he gets all the credit. And so he caused us to be born again. It's like that, that is the effect of him moving on us first is, is, the, uh, is salvation. It's new birth first. And he said born again. You think about being born again. Every baby uh, that has ever been born uh, must surely agree with this, that they had nothing to do with, with the whole saga. It was the will of their parents. It was the involvement of you know, the, the doctors or the, or, or the midwife around. The, uh, um, and so it is with Christians. When we say we are born again, our story is that, listen, 
We were nothing and now we were something. We were dead and now we were alive. He, he resurrected us. He's given us new life. Just like we got life physically when we were born first, we were, we've been given life spiritually uh, when we were born again, when we became Christians. He caused it. it it's, it's Him. Uh, and if, you're, if you are, are, are journeying with us uh, and maybe you can d define your Christianity uh, in other terms. Maybe you say, yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I do what God tells me to do and that makes me a Christian. Uh, I would even challenge you saying may maybe you're not because a Christian is someone who's saying, no, um, he caused me to be born again. Uh, and, and yes, I live differently, but it is a result of the new life. I don't live differently to be a Christian. I, I was made a Christian, I was made alive, and the result was me living differently, me thinking differently. So this is, this is Christianity. It's not an exchange of one habit for the next. It's not moral reformation. It's new, resurrected life, being born again. And, uh, and that's why it's a living hope, you know, because you realize now you are finally and truly alive. You, you were not alive before that. Your hope was more like wishful thinking. You hoped things would turn out okay for you. But as Mike said last week, actually, our living hope is anchored in the resurrection. Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead. And this is, this is our hope. It's, 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 it's anchored in this truth that He's alive. And, and you know... What an amazing hope it is for us. We, we, we've been reminded that death is, is you know, at, at everybody's doorstop you know, of this last year. Um, and uh, and it's, it's in society, it's, it's the final word often. It's like you know, when someone's dead, and it's, it, they're gone, it, it's over. You, you can't reverse that. But we see in, in the, the triumphant resurrection of Jesus that death didn't have the final word. And the promise for Christians who put their faith in Jesus is that death would not have the final word for us as well. That's an amazing hope. That's, that's the, the outcome of being united with Christ. Now, he carries on explaining that. He says, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when you become a Christian, you realize, yeah, you know, I was dead in my sin. But Jesus you know, paid the penalty by dying in my place. And, and when I accept that, that, uh, that, that fact, I am resurrected. I'm made alive. And through uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, I'm, I'm born again into an inheritance. Can you, can you see how, how being united with Christ takes you on this journey, you know, through death into resurrection, life into a living hope, you know? And he talks about an inheritance here because now, you know, through what Jesus has done, we are reconciled with the Father. It starts off by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. And, and to be in a family is intimacy. Yes, there is intimacy because of our relationship with the Father now, but there's also inheritance. That's another thing that comes our way, inheritance. And he talks about this inheritance in verse 4. He says, it is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I, I love that because these are things that you and I are not that accustomed to actually in our day. You know, we, we, are, we are used to things perishing and things being defiled and things fading. You think about an, something that's imperishable. Uh, closest I can think of is, is, you know, canned goods, you know, that last longer than, than other things in your fridge. You know, you can put it away for, for months, for years even. Um, and so there's a sense that our inheritance is like canned glory that's waiting for us, you know. Uh, they, they, uh, they will not expire. Another word for imperishable is the word immortal here, actually. It's like it's, it's not going to die. This is, this is, this is the, the hope that you and I have. Um, it is undefiled also. In other words, um, it, it, nothing bad is going to come in and corrupt it. Uh, no additives, there's, there's really no stain. You know, I think about how things are defiled around us. You know, it sounds very 
um, weird, but, but let me try and explain that. Uh, you know, let's say you, you, you have a new car or you bought a, a, a phone. I mean, these are material things, terrible. They're not that valuable. But I, I think you, you, you know how often how nice it is. You know, it's like uh, it doesn't even have a screen protector on and then you drop it. It's scratched. It's like, oh, it used to be new, but that scratch now defiled it. It's like it's stained now or a car that is, that is you know, your, your first little ding. Um, it, those are the things that basically make it, take it from new and make it old, used, secondhand. And it says our inheritance is, will not be defiled at all. Uh, and it was unfading. And so there's, you know, there's a sense that it's imperishable. It, it, it's forever. Um, and you think, well, you know, anything that lasts forever eventually fades, at least. It's still there, but it kind of looks old. And it's saying, no, it's unfading. It's bright. Uh, it, 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 you think about T-shirts. I, I know my white T-shirts, uh, you know, when I buy a new white T-shirt, you know, a year or two later, I realize that white shirt is actually a light brown shirt, you know, or I thought it was white. Uh, and even even plastic, you know, we think that lasts forever. Uh, it actually fades, you know, after a while, you know, white plastic is kind of yellow plastic. It kind of gives it that vintage vibe. Uh, we were laughing the other day, my wife and I, about um, our in-laws and uh, my in-laws, her parents, and their dishwasher that is from 1984. It's still works fine. I mean, we've got a dishwasher and it's a modern one and it's, it's on its way out. But, you know, there's, you know, of course, with a bit of TLC over the years, it's still going. But the fact is, even though, you know, they made things pretty sturdy back then, there is a sense that it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. Eventually, it's going to break, you know. It, it takes a little longer for older things, you know, back in the day when they made it really well. But, but we all can agree that eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to an end. But it tells us our inheritance uh, that Jesus uh, purchased and secured for us is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And, you know, things that perish and defile and, and fade around us are the things that actually cause us not to have a, a living hope. You know, uh, it's more like dead dreams when we see things come to an end. And verse 4 and 5 tells us that God keeps and guards this for us. Eh? It's kept in heaven for us who by God's power are being guarded. And, and those are military terms, to keep and to guard. Those are actually words that are used uh, in, in a military sense. And, uh, and God himself is the one that guards. That's why Christians can have such assurance. You know? That's why, why even when trials come our way, we'll look at that in a moment. We, we stand strong. We stand firm. Because God is the promise keeper. And he said, I've got it. I'm keeping it. It's secure for you. You know, but what is he keeping? You know, it's, maybe you think, okay, well, you know, you give a bit of detail here. In verse 5, Peter talks about a salvation that is uh, going to be revealed in the last time that God is guarding for us. And, and through this, these letters, we'll see that, you know, Peter refers to the salvation now, that walking now free and forgiven, um, loved by God, accepted by Him, like the, you know, all the benefits that come our way in the moment, but also things that we look forward to, the salvation that will culminate in the end. So is the now not yet thing going on there? And so you know, maybe just some of that is, 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 is a place, like we, we look forward to a place, you know, um, uh, uh, the, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, the Bible actually says that, that you know, heaven will invade earth and, and all the wrongs will be made right. Um, so th there is a, a place, you know. Um, we're not going to just be floating around in, in the clouds. Actually, it's going to restore creation. 
uh, it's wonderful. Uh, and, and, but there's also a purpose, you know, we're not, but it's not just going to be nice and go, okay, well, now what? Uh, actually, before Adam and Eve uh, rebelled against God, they, they had a purpose. You know, they were supposed to be cultivators and creators and, and, and multiply and, 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 and uh, be, be fruitful and, and, and faithful. And so it will be for us. You know, there'll, there'll be these things that'll happen, but it will not be uh, defiled uh, as, we, as we are accustomed to, like even good things. Uh, you know, can be defiled because of, of, of sin and, and because of our, 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 our bent uh, to, to, to be selfish. And, you know, even good things like work, you know, can, can destroy uh, families because when we overwork, you know, we, we, uh, we, uh, we undermine some of the good things at home. It's just, it's just it, the, the, the things around us are defiled and actually the undefiled things we can look for is, is all the stuff we were supposed to do. Um, uh, you know, minus, minus the sin. We can look forward to that. But ultimately, it's not just a place, it's not just a, a, a new purpose that is not defiled, but it's a person because actually it'll flow from a relationship, a restored relationship with our Creator, with the Father. Adam and Eve, they were, you know, given this amazing place and this amazing purpose, but they were also in a relationship with God, you know, walked with Him, uh, communed with Him face to face. And that we will have, that we will look forward to. That for us is heaven. That is the inheritance that we long for. Now we, we experience that in part, then we will experience it in full. And so if you, can, if you want to describe, you know, your version of heaven and, you know, it's got golf courses and playstations, but it has no God in there. I want to say to you, that's not the heaven of the Bibles. That's actually not, that actually is a recipe for, for, for disaster, really. Those things do not fulfill. Those are temporary, fa fading, uh, um, defiled, perishable stuff. Actually, uh, we long, long and look forward uh, to a... A, uh, the, the fullness of our relationship with the Father. And, and uh, verse 8 in 1 Peter, he, he's going to look at that uh, in a moment or two. But he says, you know, because of this inheritance, you know, just three aspects of it I shared with you, you know, this living hope, because of that, we can rejoice in suffering. And so he does, he says there's this future glory that we look forward to, but there's present joy right now. And it's a, it's a weird one because he says, though you've been grieved by many trials, hey? So there is a sense that the word grief, there's the word to be in pain. That, you know, you can be in pain. At the same time, you can, you know, be have pleasure in a sense. You, there's there's this, this joy that you have, that you're anchored to. You know, the closest thing I can compare that to is, is maybe exercise. You know, we understand exercise is good for us. There's, there's, there's benefits long-term, but it's often not pleasant. You know, it's not pain. It's, it's painful. And, and a Christian is someone who can go through the trials of life and, and, and smile through the trials. You know, there can be this, this, uh, this deep joy, even though there's real grief, real pain, real trouble. And, and we have a better perspective. In verse 6, he says, um, Though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been grieved by various trials. So the first thing there is that we see that these trials, the perspective tells us it's not forever. Trials are not forever. Trials are, are temporary. This, 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 is, this is all um, an, an interim scenario. We have fresh perspective as Christians as we long for that glorious inheritance, that future hope. Um, uh, we, we see things in its proper perspective. This life compared to eternity is, is just a little blip, a brief burp in, in all of eternity. Uh, so it's not forever. The, another thing is it's not fluke. So it's not just like, oh, this happened. Now what? Uh, no purpose. It says, if necessary. So it speaks of 
purpose, that, that the, your trial is, is a test. There's, there's a reason that you're going through that. Uh, and he explains that. He obviously carries on by talking about uh, what this pain and this, you know, the persecution that you go through, um, uh, what it produces in your life. So it's not final. It says, you know, a salvation to be re revealed in the last time uh, um, in verses, at the end of verse 5. And uh, uh, verse 7, it says, this, this tested genuineness of your faith uh, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the re revelation of Jesus. So it's not forever, okay? It's, it's not a fluke. There's a purpose for it. Uh, and, and it's not final because in the end, uh, the, 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 the reason for going through that trial is to be uh, tested and to, to pass the test. Now, first of all, uh, 1 Peter 5, a few chapters later, he talks about the unfading uh, crown of glory that we'll have. Again, this reference to this inheritance that is not going to fade. Uh, and that's hearing the Father, that's hearing God, the, the, you know, the, 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 the center of heaven, the, the person that you will be in relationship with, saying to you, well done good and faithful servant. Well done. This is, this is what we are, why we are persevering through the trials. Uh, and it talks about the tested genuineness of our, our faith. In other words, it's the, the end product of our persecution and pain. You know, he gives the example of, you know, gold that's refined uh, by, by fire. And I think that that's, gives us a, a hint of what it would be like, is that one day we would stand refined before God and His glory would reflect off of our golden faith, our purified faith. Isn't that an amazing picture? Even in that, it's that, that yes, I mean, there is going to be a well done from the Father. We are going to experience some, some uh, 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 glory and, and, and praise from God. Well done. But in, in, in essence, actually, we're going to reflect praise back to God, you know, as we stand there purified through these, you know, as we've come through these trials, as, we, as we've passed these, these tests, He would get the credit and the glory. You know, um, we would reflect His radiance back to Him. Uh, that's what we can look forward to. And so that's, that's, that gives us perspective and perseverance through these trials. And it's, I think that's why it says it's inexpressible joy. There's a sense that, how do you, how do you make sense of this? How do you make sense of being joyful in pain? Um, but it's filled with glory. And, and glory is also a weird, weird word in the Bible. Um, it does often speak of weight, you know, of, uh, of, of depth, uh, you know, God's glory being, being weighty, uh, who He is, His character. Um, and there's a sense that, you know, when we are filled with inexpressible joy and filled with glory is that we are. We were all sort of heavy with purpose and with truth, heavy with the glory, glory of God, like we're immovable, even though this trial, this storm comes our way. This is how kind of how Paul describes it. But, but then he hits verse 8. And he says, though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Though you, you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with this joy that is inexplicable. And so that's this, the sense that you're anchored to the living hope, Jesus. You don't see him, but you believe in him. And you love Him. You're in a relationship with Him. Salvation began now. You're in that relationship with the Father through Jesus. You, you have this anchor that, that, is, that, is, that, 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 uh, that holds you. Um, these are powerful outcomes of being a Christian, of being a Christ follower. Um, honestly, I, I, you know, how else would you want to go through life than with these truths being at the center of who you are? And so we love Him. So that's relationship. And we believe in Him. We trust Him. When you believe Him, you believe that this trial is for a reason, it's for a purpose. It's not a fluke. 
uh, and, you, and you believe that it's temporary, it's not forever, and you believe that you will be purified and, and you would be golden in front of him, reflecting his glory back to him. That, that's what it means to believe him and to have an inexpressible joy filled with glory um, as a result of your relationship, your love for him uh, that you live out in faith. And then, then the last few verses here is verses, 12, uh, verses 10 to 12. And he says this, concerning this salvation, so kind of the things that I've touched on just here and there, you know, again, probably didn't do justice to each of these things. But this salvation, uh, he said, uh, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully uh, what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was into indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. And so what does that mean? Okay, so first of all, the prophets who prophesied and predicted just speaks of this faith that we have, this Christianity is not an afterthought. It's not something that, you know, kind of came together, you know, 2,000 years ago and 300, 400 years subsequent to that. No, it's anchored in a purpose and a prophesied plan of God hundreds, thousands of years before the arrival of Jesus. This, this is an amazing thing that this is God's plan from the beginning, even in verses 1 and 2, we looked at that, you know, the, the foreknowledge of God. Uh, this is, is what we are a part of, you know. And so there's the sense that we reach long into the future, but we also reach far into the back. Like this is what we are a part of, this grand narrative, the story of God. And it talks about, and it summarizes actually all of these prophecies in, in one word, word grace. Is that amazing? The grace that was to be yours, it says. And so it speaks of the gift that you and I would receive, the grace that would be extended to us, that we would receive what we do not deserve. Mercy and grace would be ours. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. A lot of people think, oh, it's about, about you know, rules and regulations, what you should do. Yes, that's just to highlight that you fall short of God's glory and He had a plan to extend grace to you. Grace and mercy, great mercy to, to, to make us alive. And, uh, he, he, and how does it come to us? Of course, verse 11 says, the predictions of the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's Christmas and Easter. Jesus came and he came to die. It's always both. It's not just, oh, Jesus came, but it's Jesus came and he died and he rose again. Uh, that is the, 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 that's how grace comes our way because Christ was condemned. Christ was judged and so we could receive mercy and uh, and uh, you know the result is subsequent glory we know now know that jesus is exalted above all else he, he reigns and rules and he's kind of come back uh, to, uh, one day uh, and set everything right and 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 if that's the the way of jesus then the followers of jesus would understand it's the same way that glory comes through often suffering, comes through pain. And, and I want to be so bold as to say that if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, in the West in particular, people have suffered and, and have been persecuted for their faith in, 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 in terrible ways uh, in, the, in, the, in the East uh, for, for, for a long time in other parts of the world. But in the West, I, I want to just say, this is coming, friends. That actually the things that Peter is speaking about here, this is stuff that you and I need to wrestle with because I, I can see an increase. To be a Christian in the West is, is going to become more and more painful. It's going to be more, you're going to experience persecution um, uh, in ways that you may not have been accustomed to. 
um, and we're going to come out refined at the end. You know, we're going to take God at His word. Uh, we, we have a living hope. We, we cling and we're secure. But, but I, I, I almost, I don't want to be negative, but I just want to say, like, I can see this, the tide, the, the, the tide is changing, the wave is coming. To be a Christian uh, is going to result in some serious uh, opposition. Um, but as our Lord went through the grave and, and, and there were subsequent glories, so for us we know we go through the trials and we will be refined and we'll come out uh, filled with inexpressible joy and full of glory at the end of it. Um, but, you know, he, he explains also these prophets, you know, they, they read about it, um, but they had part of the picture and you and I have the full picture now, you know, so it's a real privilege. Uh, a sort of bed, bread and butter Christianity uh, includes what he says here, um, uh, uh, having the gospel preached to us by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This is in verse 12. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's announced to us the gospel. We, we heard the gospel. Maybe you're hearing the gospel today uh, through my words, um, by, by, by the preaching uh, through the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, though the prophets in the Old Testament, they experienced the Holy Spirit in those moments that came upon them, but not in the way that you and I experience it today. Actually, the floodgates were open, the heaven's gates are, are open so that all who now call on the name of the Lord will be filled with the Spirit. Not just have the Spirit on them, but they have the Spirit of God in them. This is what it is to be a Christian, is to have God in you. And this is so different to what the prophets experienced in the Old Testament. So we live in a new day, in a new covenant. This is so wonderful uh, for you and I, that the Holy Spirit is in fact a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. The Holy Spirit in us is, 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 is sort of the promise saying that inheritance that we read about here, it will be ours. And, and having the Spirit in us now is proof of that. This is the living hope that we have. 2 Corinthians 1.22 speaks about that. The Holy Spirit that we as Christians receive, God in us, is proof that we will make it through. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that we have now that they didn't have then. So let's not take it for granted. And then in conclusion, finally, it says that this angels long to look into, this, this good news, this, this salvation that you and I experience, angels long to look into that. Now we can speculate over the meaning over here uh, for, for a while, but what, whatever the meaning is, it means that you and I have a good, okay? That even angels, these, these heavenly beings that are in the presence of God, uh, uh, they long to, and they look into what you and I have. So again, don't take this salvation for granted. Uh, you know, angels um, that, are, that are serving God, you know, they don't, they, don't, they don't have sin, so they don't need for a savior. But we also know that Satan, you know, was a fallen angel and he took a bunch of angels down with him. They don't have a redemption plan. There's no plan to save those angels. Judgment is coming their way. And, and, and you and I sinned against God, but we have a redemption plan. I want you to see how favored we are, how much God loves us, how amazing this story is. Angel is the word messenger. You know, it, it, angels are, are messengers. Um, and often it's translated angel in, in our English Bible. It means messenger. Um, but they don't get to to share the message that you and I get to share. If we read the scriptures, angels don't have the privilege of sharing the gospel. No, you and I have that privilege. And in 1 verse 9, you know, we read there that the outcome would be, um, let's see, uh, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
You know, that word your, some manuscripts don't have the word your in there, so it can read the salvation of souls, you know, which, which actually uh, uh, speaks about the fact that the salvation that we have, the outcome of our faith is often that others would come to faith, the salvation of souls, other, other people coming to know Jesus. And, uh, and this is something that is our privilege only. Not even angels get to do that. And so I want to end off by praying. I mean, there's so many things that I, I shared. And maybe you felt like you drank from a fire hose because I, I think I spoke quite fast as well. But let me pray for you around a few areas. Number one is that if you want to be born again, in other words, you want to surrender your life, reach out and, and experience God's great mercy and the grace that the Old Testament prophets prophesied about. The grace, in other words, you get what you don't deserve because Jesus got what you did deserve, which is judgment. You can admit you're a sinner and be born again in this moment and experience that reuniting with the Father, be in relationship with Him and have a living hope that can carry you through the darkest of days, this side of heaven. So, so that, that's the first invitation. Another one is, is as Christians, I think bracing for trials. I want to say to you that to, to be a Christian it's going, to, it's going to become more and more hard and difficult in, in, in the West. And to, and to you know, set yourself up to, to, to be secured again in the living hope that you have and to be reminded of the good news of the gospel and your inheritance and your hope, your future hope that you have. And then, of course, in the end, you're talking about the spirit of Christ that was prophesying uh, uh, through the prophets. But you and I have the spirit now as a deposit to be, to be filled with the spirit that would get you through the challenges. I want to pray for you even in your, in your lounges, wherever you're listening to from now, that you'll be filled with the Spirit. And then ultimately, to share the gospel, that you are a messenger, that angels long to see what you and I have uh, to, to come to fulfillment, the, the message, the good news of what Jesus has done for the world, for sinners. And so those are just a couple of things. I don't know which one identifies with you, but I'm going to pray through them all. And if that's you, put your hands up in the air, maybe get on your knees. I don't know. Just, just, just claim that in that moment. Pray along with me. Say yes to those things. So let's do that together now. Father, first of all, I thank you that you are the one that causes people to be born again. And if, if there's somebody that's listening today that realizes they are in need of mercy, they stand condemned before a holy God because of their sin, there's no way out. There's nothing they could do to fix it. They, they can only throw themselves upon your mercy. Would they do that now? And would you, by your power, resurrect them, take them from death to life, cause them to be born again as they submit and surrender their life to you, Jesus, and bring them by the power of the Spirit into a relationship with the Father so they could say that actually if you take everything from me, what I have now is God, my, my inheritance is he is God himself the imperishable unfading glory and presence of God do that now in Jesus name and then for those of us who are Christians Lord would you help us to uh, to believe this truth that we um, have been given uh, the gospel and we are anchored in the resurrection of Jesus and so we could face trials coming our way but not petty little trials difficulties but ultimately suffering for the sake of the gospel you know admitting and speaking about Jesus in a culture that seems to be increasingly hostile towards this message would you would you brace us would you would you keep us secure and do that by filling us with your spirit I ask now that every person listening would be filled with your spirit 
again, filled with your spirit, the Holy Spirit that gives us courage and confidence, the Holy Spirit that is a deposit in us, uh, guaranteeing the, the future glory, but, but giving us present joy and courage and, and, and boldness to share the gospel, to be the messengers, that we have a, a duty, a responsibility that even angels do not have, and that we count that as a, as a, as a privilege, and that we find ourselves doing that very thing, partnering with you all the way. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, um, today's uh, commission is kind of a, about communion a little bit. It's just maybe more of an announcement. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that we are going to do communion as community groups moving forward. Uh, not too sure what the summer will look like in terms of our gatherings, but while it's online, uh, you will hear from your community group leader. That means if you're not in a community group, I want to encourage you to get into one. Uh, actually, as a church, we are actually a group of groups. You know, we come together like this on a Sunday. But if you think, you know, church is just going, attending an event or even an online uh, one like that. I think in our time to, uh, these days, it's, it's more apparent than, than ever before that this is not the sum total of who we are. Actually, our groups meet midweek. That's where community happens. We discuss this message. We pray for one another. And uh, we are also going to start doing uh, uh, communion together as community groups. Of course, right now via Zoom online. And so maybe you don't like Zoom, but I want to say to you, like push through that pain. Like that is a trial that you would have to go through at the moment. But the glories of community is waiting for you on the other side. So, um, you know, when we do communion again, uh, your community group leaders will facilitate how that happens uh, during that meeting or maybe even afterwards. But we're going to move towards that because we are the hospitable family of Jesus. And right now, the way that we work out our family uh, values is through our community groups. And so you may attend our church on a Sunday, but if you are not part of a community group, you're, you're actually still pretty much on the outside. This, what we do now, is just a small part um, of who we are. The, the, the meat and potatoes is our community group. So that's my commission to you is that, hey, uh, uh, you know, get into a group if you're not in one. And if you are in a group uh, that you guys will be working towards how to take communion together as groups into the future. Uh, but other than that, I trust you would have an amazing week uh, and we'll see you again uh, soon. Bye bye.